You're tuning into the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. As a best-selling author, certified life coach, and speaker, I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and transform you from the inside out. From time to time, you may hear a solo episode, but for the most part, we will be joined by real-life guests who have overcome adversity, but as they have done the work, today they are thriving. So grab your pen and paper as we get started and learn firsthand tips and tricks to change the trajectory of your lives so we can live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera-Dannert, and today we have another amazing co-author of our upcoming book. So without further ado, let's bring her on and get started. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. So, so let's get started. Oh, yes. thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So let's get started. Tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Well, I am Her Excellency, Dr. Teresa Ann Mosley. I'm a WOMA United Nations Peace Ambassador. That's the Her Excellency. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, but I live in Maryland now. I'm a retired educator after 28 years of service. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. The name of my company is TAM, Creating Ambassadors of Peace. I started that company during COVID. And I'm a transformational leader. Beautiful. So thank you for your service. Thank you. And tell us a little bit as to what led you to, you know, become an author, um, to become an author, to become a coach. What led you to yes. become who you are today? Well, when I was a high school principal, I lost two students to violence. Mm -hmm. One kid was shot to death and one kid was beat to death in a park. He was actually stabbed. And I prayed about this. I said, oh, my goodness. I mean, what can I do to make this climate more peaceful, make people, people understand that every life matters. President Barack Obama said, every life must be given a chance to reach its full potential, mm -hmm. that every life matters. And so I went to a master's class and the teacher said, there are two days that are important, the day you were born and the day you find out why. So that day I said out loud, she said, what is your gift? I said, my gift is my voice in speaking and writing. My passion, let me think about that. I was a Girl Scout serving my community. I was in church choir serving my church. I was in the military serving my country. I was a high school principal serving my students. My passion is serving others. And then she says, so what, are you, what is your purpose? I said, I think my purpose is to make this world a more peaceful place. So I went from having one book to 10 books to 15 books to 19 books. And in April, it'll be 23 books. I went from speaking just at my school, I retired and started doing international speaking in Paris and London and in New York City and Detroit, Michigan. So and I speak on peace. That's what I do. I know this is my divine assignment. Um, my father, who is deceased, in fact, today is the anniversary of his um, death in 1988. But he said to me when, he, when, he saw, when I saw him last, uh, I gave him my diploma from college and he said, Risa, this diploma is worth millions. Go take this and go live in your purpose. There are no glass ceilings for my only girl. So my father actually motivates me till this day. He's still my motivator. But that's how I kind of got into speaking and writing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So when it comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, youth, you were a teacher, you know, a principal. What is the biggest challenge that you see? 
The biggest challenge I see with youth is social media. The social media, I mean, when we went to school, when I went to school in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have that kind of influence, you know, and television went off at midnight, you know, but these kids have social media and they have TV 24 hours and they're influenced by the social media and they're also influenced by their peers. And a lot of times when kids turn 13, the parent is no longer their friend, you know, but I am truly blessed that I had students that would listen to me and I would listen to them. I would say when an incident happened, I just wouldn't go to, okay, code of conduct, you're getting suspended. I would say, A, what happened? B, how did that make you feel? Then they said, what? You asked me how that made me feel? Yes. No one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. Hmm. So C, what did you do? So D, what can you do differently? Okay, so what do you think the consequence should be for that? So I have children thinking, and that's another problem. People aren't talking to children nowadays. Right. You know, They eat at different times. Sometimes it's the parent has to work two or three jobs to take care of that one child. So no one is at home when they get there to give them guidance. So social media, lack of parental guidance in some households, that is not everybody. I don't want to put everybody in the same basket is a problem. And the social media is a really big thing because kids get bullied on social media now. A lot of times it ends up in suicide. So that's a shame. You know, and you said something that was very important is, you know, asking the child, you know, how do you feel? Exactly. That one question can be so impactful. So how, you know, do you have a, you know, any guidance, any tips, whether it's for another educator, for parents, maybe for another, you know, child that might be listening to start that conversation? That's, that's a twofold question. Let's start with the parent. You need to start parenting the day the child is born. I have this Ericksonian approach to understanding children and adolescents. And there's four virtues that this child needs before they go to kindergarten. Number one is hope. When that baby is born, if I cry, I hope they feed me, I hope they change me, or hope they hold me because I'm cold, right? And if they don't get fed, change, or be warm, then they don't learn to trust. When your child doesn't learn to trust, they can't love. The opposite of love is hate. So hope and trust is a virtue learned between birth and age one. A lot of kids go to school not trusting because they didn't get that nurturing. The second one is will. When that child is learning to get potty trained, if you beat the child because they didn't make it, they're going to say, I can't do anything right. They end up in a sixth grade classroom not taking a test. I just can't do it because they've been told all their life, you can't, you can't, you can't. So parents, make sure that you teach these children these virtues of hope, will, uh, competence uh, before they go to kindergarten. There's some certain things that they need to know. And if you have a child and it seems like they're delayed, get them help right away. Get them help right away. And if you don't know where to go, call social services or go to the school. School is always in the community. There's a guidance counselor or a school psychologist that can help you find the resources that you need to see if your child does have some developmental delays. That's number one that's important. For students, I I share with them, be careful of who you surround yourself with. Mm. Not everybody's your friend. And this is what I teach my students. Communicate, don't retaliate. Ask the question, like, did you write this about me on social media? Because a lot of times it's people that vision. The second thing is have compassion and empathy for others, especially when they don't look like you. We have to start loving one another. 
The third thing is do community service. Serve your community and serve it well. If you're serving your community, you're not going to be out there robbing people. You're not going to be out there breaking in the houses if you're serving the community. And the most important thing I tell my students is to know your gift, know your passion, and live in your purpose. I love that. You know, and that is very important. So for someone that may be raised or, you know, living in a situation that is probably not the healthiest mentally, physically, emotionally, how does one go about finding, you know, your purpose, your strengths, your gifts? That's that's where school leaders are important. The one common thing that we all have is school is compulsory. Since, what, 1852, you know, everybody has to go to school. And you start there. So administrators, start training your teachers to look for the strengths and weaknesses in the students. And if they're really good at something, recognize that and talk about it. Go to the guidance counselor, take an interest inventory to see maybe there's something latent that you're really interested in. Mm -hmm. Know what your job value is. Do you like working with your hands or do you like working with people? Do you want to make a lot of money or you just want to work in a cube by yourself creating things? All of these things are so important in finding out, you know, what it is that you're really passionate about. I always say, what did you like to do as a little child? Because I used to like to play with Barbie dolls, but I had about 40. (laughs) Okay, and I used to line them up in rows of two like they were getting on a plane. And guess what? Uh, 20 years later, I worked for an airline. I also lined them up like rows of uh, 10, four rows, like a classroom. And 28 years later, then I'm teaching, (laughs) you know, so I loved working with um, with people. But um, I played with Barbie dolls and I had these these um, roles as a, a stewardess and a role as a teacher. And I that's what I ended up doing. But um, even though I feel that was part of my assignment, my divine assignment is helping make this world a more peaceful place. And so uh, working with with people that were missing planes, I just said, oh, I like helping people. And that's when I went back to school to get my master's degree in guidance and counseling and decided I wanted to work in a school. And then I went ahead and got my PhD so that I could be an administrator. I said, if I really want to make changes in schools, I need to be in a leadership role. Yes. I love that. I love that. What was the transition like between being a teacher and a principal? Okay, so I was uh, I only taught for like a year, but I was a guidance oh, okay. counselor for the most part, and then assistant principal. So the transition from guidance counselor to administrator, it was actually an easy transition. I was a school improvement specialist first. As a school improvement specialist, I had about 15 schools that I worked with and everything that the principal did, I knew how to do. And everything that the assistant principal did, I also knew how to do. So when I transitioned from school improvement to a school administrator, I already had the knowledge and skills. So it was an easy transition for me. And when I was a principal, then I started working in the central office. Then I went back to the schools to help principals with observations and so Instead of just working at one school, I had several schools that I assisted. And I love that work. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. So transitioning a little bit, you are also an author. So tell us, what led you to become an author? And tell us a little bit about some of the books that you have written and the one that's coming up. Okay, so I started writing at 14. And um, this is a little sad, but it's my story and I can talk about it now. Um, I have the gift of discernment. I, I kind of know things that I shouldn't know. And um, my brother graduated from high school in 1972. And he died in a car accident that night. Oh, wow. 
And I dreamt about it before it happened. And I didn't tell him. So I thought, oh my God, this is my fault. I should have told him. And even my mother got him a watch, a digital watch for his uh, graduation present. And when she got him the watch, I cried. And she goes, what, what are you crying for? Are you jealous? Something told me that he wasn't gonna keep that watch. So when they retrieved him from his car, the only thing they found was the crushed case. The, crushed case, the watch was gone. So um, I went to bed and I said, God, please tell me, you know, what, what can I do? Just let me just go be with my brother. I'm so sorry I didn't tell him. And I prayed to God for guidance. And in, in when I woke up, I had this urge to just write. So I said, God is telling me to write. So I wrote a six-page letter to my science teacher. My science teacher was Cal Coombs. Cal Coombs was a pitcher for the New York Mets. I think he also oh. pitched for Boston. He retired early because he had uh, a, 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 a shoulder injury. They have Tommy John now, but... I'm so glad he retired because he ended up being my favorite teacher. And I wrote him this letter, six pages, told him what happened and everything. And after I wrote the letter, I felt better. I said, my gosh, I don't even have to give this to Mr. Coons because I feel so much better. So I tucked the letter under my bed. And that's when I found out that writing is cathartic. Mm -hmm. You know, I started writing songs. I started writing poetry. Uh, remember I said my gift is my voice. When yes. I was younger, I used to sing a lot. And I, I sing in the church choir. I sing in this, I was in three school choirs, um, but I was also doing a lot of writing. And that's when my writing started. But my first book I wrote after my mom's death in, in 2003, and it took me mm -hmm. seven months. It was so difficult to write. It was called The Fourth Child, Five Decades of Hope. I was the only girl. I was the fourth child. I had four brothers. And um, I wrote this book to tell my mother that I loved her. And um, in this book, I talk about the um, five decades, uh, four decades of trials and tribulations, the things that I had to go to to discover who I really was, my authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, I, I was a high school principal when I printed that book in 2014. Uh, it took a long time to print it. It took a short time to write it, but a long time to print it and get it published. Um, then I was in uh, Women of Virtue, Walking in Excellence with Dr. Chishika Green. Then I said, you know what? I kind of like writing books. And <laughs> next thing you know, people were calling me, hey, can you be a part of this anthology? And then I went into a class called Speak and Write Your Message. Now that changed my life. It was with Dr. Cheryl Wood. In that class, I learned everything about self-publishing. I learned about CRMs. I, 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 I was a speaker, so I already knew how to write a speech. Right. But I... Um, it helped, it, it helped me create more than one signature speech. I have like a 10 minute, a 20 minute, a one hour speech. So that's when my life changed and that happened during COVID. So during COVID, you know, we were virtually working from home, right. but after we virtually worked from home, I really had nothing to do. So I would set some time away and just write. I wrote a love story called um, Two Decades Apart and people think that's about me, but it's not. <laughs> it's a fictional love story, but every place where Evan, where, where my characters went, I went with my mother, you know? Um, so I wrote another book called Passion Purpose Peace, The Pathway Through Trials and Tribulations, because I've met so many people in this industry that really came from humble beginnings and really struggled, you know, with finding their purpose and, and really some veterans who went through some traumatic things in the military, mm -hmm. But now they're all successful speakers and writers. So I got them all together and wrote my second signature book, which is Passion, Purpose, Peace, The Pathway Through Trials and Tribulations. 
But that said, my signature book before that was Creating Ambassadors of Peace, 16 Steps to Become an Ambassador of Peace. And I thank God for being able to speak internationally because I met this lady that worked for the United Nations. She heard me speak on peace and she said, you know what? We need to make you a real United Nations Peace Ambassador. So she nominated me for this training and I went to the training and that's the, her, her excellency, Dr. Teresa Ann Mosley. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. <clears throat> so you are not RNA, upcoming book together, The Beautiful Face of the Invisible Illness. So can you share what your chapter title is and summarize your chapter in one sentence? My chapter is on diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And um, my mother had diabetes. My brother had diabetes. They're both deceased. My grandmother had diabetes. My great-grandmother had diabetes. So in one word, I'm going to say, know your ABCs your A1C, your blood pressure, and your cholesterol. Those are important when you are diagnosed with type two diabetes. And I think that, you know, that's so important, you know, for women, people of color, you know, that diabetes is like, it runs rampant. Yes, yes. My great, great grandfather was named Mac Allen from Johnson County, North Carolina. I found his death certificate on Ancestry.com, bad kidneys, bad kidneys, diabetes. So I said, I'm going to stop this generational, I'm not going to call it curse, this generational illness that's impacting my family. Uh, my brother is on dialysis. My other brother just got prepped for dialysis. My numbers are good. Actually, um, my doctor says, if you lose another 10 pounds, you probably won't even need your medicine anymore. You're doing really well with it. I'm going to be 66 years old, and I've been living with type 2 diabetes for 12 years, yeah, since 2013. Um, but yeah, exercise, diet, and the combination of meds can really um, have you help you have a long, healthy life. Did you say 66? I'll be 66 in February. I'm 65. You yeah. look great. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So you are on the Fearless Friday podcast. How are you living a fearless life? I am living my best life because I am living in my purpose. Before I said, oh, I'm successful. I've got twin luxury cars in my garage. I've got a nice home. No, 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 no. I was successful, but I was not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was not fulfilled until I started serving other people. When I started serving other people through speaking and writing and working individually, coaching people to help them discover who they are, I became successful, fulfilled, prosperous, and I had inner peace. And that's what I want the world to do. I want everyone to be fearless by knowing what you love to do, serving other people. I believe in this Japanese philosophy around purpose. If there's something that the world needs and you're good at it, then that's your mission in life. If you really love to do something, that's your passion. And if you're blessed enough to work nine to five or eight to four and get paid for that work, then that's your purpose. And when all of that is aligned, you will be successful, fulfilled, prosperous, and have inner peace. And when you have inner peace, there's peace at home, there's peace at work, there's peace in the grocery store, there's peace driving your car, there's peace all around you. So if I can get everyone to understand that you're here on a divine assignment, there's something that 
you have to leave this world, a, a legacy in this world. And whatever it is, it's positive, right? And you will be happy. You will be successful. You will be fulfilled. And you will have that inner peace that the world needs to make it a better place. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. So is there anything that else that you would like to share or talk about that we have not talked about as we get ready to wrap up? Yes, you did give me an opportunity to talk about my other books. I do have a book coming out on my father's 104th heavenly birthday, March the 3rd, 2024. And it's called The Essential Soft Skills, Steps to Leading with Grace. Once again, it's all about mm -hmm. peace with me. And so look forward for that. People can find me on social media. Uh, Dr. Teresa Ann Mosley, and I have a website, which I just updated. It's called creatingambassadorsofpeace.com, and that links to all of my social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, X, and so that's how you can find me. And also, um, you can see what I'm up to next. I'm going to London to speak again. I just left London last month um, for a women empowerment conference, and so, yeah, stay in touch with me. I and life, <laughs> life is but a short road to our ultimate destiny. Make peace. Have compassion and learn to love before you get there. Peace and blessings. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. Make sure to stay connected with us and you can find us on Facebook at MRD Empowerment Solutions or on Instagram as Marianne Rivera Dannert. You can also visit our website at MarianneRiveraDannert.com. As always, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.